welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm here with another one of my good friends, another guest. You want to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, what's up? I'm Chris Musa, senior at San Diego State, computer science major from the Bay Area, down here finishing up school, getting ready to head on out. Oh, man. That's kind of scary, man. That's yeah. crazy. I'm going to get I'm gonna get emotional, man. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> 30, 30, a minute into the podcast, we're already getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> but first of all, thank you for coming on. Thank, oh. you for, thank you for being here, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. So just to tell you a little all about how I know Chris is Chris and I, we were RAs together. And last year we met. And it was so funny because I want to tell this story because it was wild when when I originally got the email that I had be, that I had been chosen to be an RA, it was actually CC'd because at that at time I was actually an alternate RA. So an alternate, I got put on a wait list, and then if you got called on, you got just swooped up by someone, and you're on a staff. And I got the email in late May. And I got the email from our residence hall, our boss, but he didn't BCC me. He CC'd. He puts. He put like somehow all of the RA's names. Mm-hmm. emails were on the list for some for whatever reason mm-hmm. i don't think you all received that email but for some reason all of your names were on there in email form though so i'd like i was like looking around mm-hmm. and i was like saw moose musa and i was like i swear i know that name <laughs> i swear on my life i know that name and i get down here and i it completely was a light bulb it's like a light bulb <laughs> and it's funny because so chris and i are both from the bay area chris he went to a high school not too far from when i where i went to high school and we're right. only a year apart yeah and we same both district same district same S- same league same league same league yep. but the funny the crazy part was was that i've actually seen you play before i even knew who you were before i even met you or anything oh so yeah you didn't even know this. <laughs> i didn't know that exactly, no. <laughs> exactly so get this so we're, we're I was probably 14, maybe me. Yeah, 14. I think 13 or 14 years old. And it was like my first year in the in first or second year in the uh, the, the East Bay because mm-hmm. um, I just moved out there. And a lot of the teammates that I was playing with had just made the freshman team at my high school. But mm-hmm. I knew a lot of the older guys from from your year who are year up. And I remember th- you all playing Babe Ruth. Yeah. And like playing the Babe Ruth League, which is a big deal. And I remember someone always like yelling moose like <laughs> yo that was your nickname that yeah. was like you were known as moose because like <laughs> your last name is moose um yeah. and i remember just seeing remember seeing you play too i'm like oh, i remember mm. moose this left-handed dude you know pitcher first baseman he had the goggles too he yeah. had the glasses and yeah. everything the whole giddy up right and i was like that dude's pretty good <laughs> and then coming 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 down to sdsu not realizing that when I was an RA my second <laughs> year that I would end up being on the same staff as the Moose himself, <laughs> Chris Moose. It all came full circle. Came full circle, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy story, honestly. I share a lot of good memories with the guys from Cal, actually, from Babe Ruth. Right. Because we played, um, I played Babe Ruth, I think, after the f- first and second summer of uh, my first two years at Granada. So that's how I got to know a lot of those guys from Cal. Yeah, and we all played on the on the All Star team afterwards, and we went to uh, we went to s- to regionals my first year. So we got to play in Arizona, made it pretty far, I think, in the playoffs, and ended up losing to another team from um, up north. But we had one state both years, and it's just a a bunch of great guys from Cal. 
I mean, yeah. uh, I could go on and on about the the friendships I built playing playing Babe Ruth with those guys. And every time we played Cal, I, I looked forward to it because, you know, I got to see some old friends. And it it's was like good, a reunion. Good competition. Yeah, mini reunion. I hit my first home run in high school against Cal. Really? Who did yeah. you hit it off of? Do you remember? I don't remember who I hit it off. I, he was a, a grade above me. Okay. It was my first year on varsity. I distinctly remember the at-bat, too. Really? Middle of the game. Um I think it was my second at bat, runner on first, and at the time the the pitcher on the mound was was throwing heat. Um, yeah. And I was sitting in the on deck circle thinking like, if I get a good pitch, first pitch, I'm swinging the bat, I'm pulling the trigger because I do not want to fall behind this guy and make a fool out of myself uh, swinging way too early on an off speed pitch. Right, right. Especially like your first year on varsity. First year on varsity, it's a home game. It's a week before the rivalry game against Livermore High, so. Like, at bats matter. I'm trying to, like, get in the zone before that game. And I remember uh, walking into the batter's box, and, and I'm thinking just anything close in the strike zone, fastball, I'm pulling the trigger. Take a hack. I'm taking a hack. Big boy. <laughs> Daddy hacks only. <laughs> <laughs> Pitcher uh, lays one middle in, and it was one of the best swings. There, there are, like, a few times, only a few certain moments in baseball, I think, like, you have no doubts about. Right. It's... The way a ball comes out, out of your hand as a pitcher, the way you scoop a ball at first base when an infielder makes a bad throw, and it's the way a ball comes off the bat when you make a good swing. Right. It feels like the ball didn't even touch the bat. Right, right, You know right. what I'm talking about? Right. It's perfect mechanics, and you just – bat flies through the zone, and all of a sudden the ball's just flying. It's like you d- And it's like you didn't even touch it. Right. And that was that case. It was, first, it was a first-pitch fastball middle in, and I turned on it. And it was a line drive that – Scooted out of the uh, out of you know Granada's field in probably like less than five and a half seconds. Jeez, I had never hit a ba- uh, home run in batting practice before then, and I was not known as a power guy whatsoever. Right, and I remember sprinting around first base, and I think it, that was like the only time I ever showed any emotion on the on the baseball field. <laughs> hey man, your first home run. It why was not? yeah, it was like a, a pretty big deal. I had never I had never done it growing up and. It was, you know, a little luck guessing on the first pitch and, you know, some weeks of practice, but yeah, it ended man. up paying off. It was it was a good feeling. You know, I'm sure you've had the same type of feeling. Yeah, I, I, you actually, to be, to be, I mean, like, I've never hit a home run before, which is crazy. I right. mean, like, you think, like, a lot of a lot of people think, oh, yeah, they see people do it in the big leagues yeah. all the time. You're like, it's actually pretty hard yeah. to hit the ball out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but that's awesome. I'm glad that. That's such a cool little story. Yeah, you remember vividly that at bat. Yeah, I mean the situation. Though, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a short at bat, but the situation. Yeah. You remember everything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've very, very fond and vivid memories of my years playing baseball. I'm oh, sure yeah. you do too. Like even the four years of high school were just like were awesome. To right. Me, you know, I remember a lot of great stuff oh, from yeah. my years in high school. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah. So you're obviously a baseball guy. You're oh, a baseball huge. Guy. Through, through and through. Yeah, yeah. Who is your current favorite player in baseball? My f- well, my favorite team's San Francisco. Right, of course. Big, big Giants fan. On the Giants, it's got to be Brandon Crawford. Okay. Is he your ba- favorite player in baseball though? Not in baseball. All right. So we get, let's 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 talk. Let's tackle the p- favorite player in baseball, and then we can yeah. come back to the Giants. Because right. I don't I I don't mind coming. We can always yeah. come home to the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who's your favorite player in baseball? It's Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis, the right, yeah, yeah, yeah. the right from fielder, Atlanta. the right fielder from the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, 
And I, I, the reason he's my favorite player is the level of consistency that he's displayed throughout his career. It's not just because you two both have killer beards. <laughs> he, I think he might have me in the beard department. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Nick Markakis has been a guy that I've like tried to follow se- like semi closely mm-hmm. throughout his career, and I mean, I just absolutely adore the guy. Man has been playing in the league for 13 years and has consistently produced for both Baltimore and Atlanta and was named an all-star just this past year. Right. And I think the man has been a quiet, like a quiet superstar in both leagues. And I think now the league is just now starting to notice because it's been the, the major league baseball has been pretty outfield heavy the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nick Markakis has always been there, but he's kind of been overtaken and, and has kind of hidden the shadows, kind of similar to what Matt Carpenter is. I think another guy with a great beard. Another guy like with Chris. a great beard. <laughs> Are you noticing a trend here? I am. Brandon Crawford. A trend. Yeah, yeah. Great guy, beard. Guys, guys with great beards. <laughs> we could talk about beards all day in Major League Baseball. Right, we and definitely could. That's an entire segment. Uh, but Nick Markegas, very consistent, and you're totally right. He does fly under the radar. Yeah, definitely Big does. Time. Big time. Why do you love Brandon Crawford? Brandon Crawford is, I think, the best defensive shortstop in Major League Baseball. I don't think I've seen. Aside from Andrews and Simmons, I don't think there was another shortstop that makes difficult plays look easy like Brandon Crawford. Definitely. Can agree with that. Yeah. There's a lot of people who would argue that. Yeah. But I don't th- I think they're wrong. Yeah. Anyway, take me back. Try to tell me to paint me a picture of your baseball journey, man. I know you probably played it since like you were a little kid. Yeah. But like tell me about the steps. Where did you start? How'd you get to this point? Baseball has started as kind of like an outlier. Um, to be completely honest, both parents born and raised in Lebanon in the Middle East and baseball is non-existent there, (laughs) pretty non-existent throughout the entire Middle East. And baseball was something my dad had told me, suggested that I try out um, as a little kid. And it was between when you're when you're what, three or four years old, you play T-ball and you play soccer. T-ball and soccer for T-ball, sure. Like those are the two. Because because you can't play basketball yet because you're not strong enough to get to the hoop. Right. So it's yeah it's T-ball and soccer. It's T-ball and soccer. To set some precedent, I I was a chubby kid growing up, very okay. very out okay. of shape, right. very well fed, and it showed. You know. Right. So it didn't didn't thrive on the on the soccer field. Okay. But baseball was something that I f- fell in love with super quickly. And I think my dad had noticed that um, pretty early on. I loved loved playing. And as I got older and I started getting more into the game, started playing more, wanting to watch it, talk about it, my dad had started to learn the game with me. So we both learned the game of baseball together. Every, so cool. Everything that I learned, he learned with me. And a like, fun fact about him is that the way he really learned uh, baseball was he learned how to score keep. So later on, when I w- started becoming a teenager, he started to score keep games. And that's how he ended up learning a lot of the things about baseball. Um, but before that, he, he had known what I'd known. That's so cool. Yeah. So fun tid- tidbit about uh, yeah, you, <laughs> my yeah, dad. Yeah, your dad, just t- you're <coughs> both going through the journey of learning together. And I think that's so awesome that you'll be able to share with him for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. That you guys learned this incredible game together. Yeah. So... I, w- I want to get your opinion here about 
baseball because right now, obviously, in the current modern day, as it pertains to major sports, baseball, we're an anomaly. You and I are anomalies. Yeah. And we are young fans. Right. Because right now, baseball has the oldest um, the oldest fan base by far. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. I think the next closest would be football. And that's... And that's and that's how significant you think everyone watches football. Yeah, and that's the closest, the next closest in terms of older fan base. But what would you say? What are people missing from watching? From just what? When people are watching in the public eye, when they're just watching a game, what do you? Th- what as you as a huge fan of baseball, what is the average fan missing out on that you think we could benefit them watching the game? I think. Uh, Something I take, I think I take it for granted, is watching the little things throughout the course of a game. So you and I, were, you and I were both pitchers, right? I l- absolutely love pitch sequences, yeah, throughout the course of a game, especially with starting pitchers because they change through every iteration throughout the lineup. Right. The first time through a lineup, a pitcher s- starts a sequence a certain way, and the second time it. Second time through it changes, and then the third time through it changes again. If he if he even gets there, yeah. And watching a game and seeing the course of that sequence change from at bat to at bat, from scenario to scenario, whether there are runners on, the number of outs in an inning, where his pitch count is, because that's huge now. All of those things are absolutely beautiful for me to watch. I think I think that's so true. The the sentiment that you're sharing right now, because it's. It's detailed. It's yeah. so detailed. It's, right. There's so much planning that goes in. These guys watch hours and hours of these pitchers watch hours and hours of tape and film yeah. to study what, and it really drives the pitch sequence. Absolutely. And it's not that it's not like football where you can like look on your wrist and just be like, all right, this is the play that we're running right now. Yeah. It's calculated every and every single pitch and every single at bat. Yeah. And not only that, you have to adjust on the fly. You're adjusting on the fly. Between the pitcher and the catcher, which creates an incredible bond yep. between the two, which leads me to another question I have for you. When you were pitching, what was you probably had a, co- a couple of catchers where you were like really comfortable throwing to? Right. Me, I bet. Right. But what what set one catcher apart from another? What was the thing that set them? The catcher who you're like, yeah, I'm throwing to this guy today. Mm. Whereas, oh my gosh. Me and me and this guy are he's catching me today. It's going to be a good day no matter what. Yeah. I think the biggest characteristic is both the catcher and I are on the same page throughout the course of a game. Um my biggest str- strategy when it came to pitching is especially at the, at the high school level, you know, there's no like scouting. No. Right, right. There's no scouting report. There's not there's no like hours of footage that we're watching bef- before game. Right. Um, so what we're looking at are the on-deck swings and the practice swings taken out, out just outside of the box in the middle of an at-bat. You can tell a lot of things about a hitter just by the way he takes his practice swings and the way he's warming up in the on-deck circle. If the catcher is noticing those things, the same things that I'm, I'm seeing, then I know the pitches he's, he's calling throughout the course of an at-bat, I'm not going to shake off. If I do... You know, we might have a conversation about it in between at bats or maybe in between innings, but the less times, you know, a catcher has to stop the game and walk up to me so we can discuss a game plan, I think, you know, the the better coordination we have and the more success we'll have 
throughout yeah. the course of a game. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, all right. So we've talked about baseball as just the the very basic part of the game, mm-hmm. just watching it. Yep. Baseball is currently on a trend where it's becoming more and more international. Yep. Right. You're seeing a lot more players being signed signed often, and they're also being signed at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think, uh, how, where do you think baseball is going with these international signings? Like, what, what's your opinion on that? I want to hear, like, w- what do you think about it? Talk about maybe some of the players that you see that you're, s- that you really like that are coming over. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the b- baseball is definitely getting younger and yeah. it's getting more international, like, like you said. And, you know, to, to a point, it's frustrating, I think, to many high schoolers and college players here because the course to, to get signed and get drafted uh, as an American citizen is much different than it is as an international. And, you know, specifically speaking about uh, Latin America, their, their course to, to baseball and to signing is much different and much quicker than it is for American citizens. And I don't know too much about the process of how, how it works in Latin America. So I don't want to say something that ends up being wrong, but they are signed at a much younger age because all they are doing is preparing to be drafted right. by Major League Baseball. Right, and I think that's the difference. That I, I think that's the key difference, though. I think there's in, Ameri- in America with the high school players and college players, there's so much complexity in it. Yep. Even though the the stigma is that when you're a college athlete, that's all you do, they yep. still have coursework. They Absolutely. still have a complex life outside of that, whereas I feel like a lot of these very, very young international players are come to the field seven days a week, multiple hours a day, just beating their craft yeah. to where they are the cream of the crop yeah. ready to be signed at the age of like 16 to a major league team. You know you know the story about the Japanese Little League World Series team, right? Oh, their, no, I don't. Their, their regime and their routine when it comes to preparing for the... Their Little League World Series routine, I think, is comparable to a minor league, if not major league team. Regime? I And I kid you not. Wow. They've they've done stories about this. They do they do it every year when the little league world series comes around. These kids wake up in the morning, and they're stretching and they're hitting and they're fielding, and then they'll go take a break. They they might they might go do their homework or do coursework. They'll come back. They'll do conditioning, and you know these are 10, 11, 12, 12 year olds kids. by the way. Yeah. You know what I was doing when I was 10, 11, 12 years? I was playing you know Call video Duty. games. Playing, playing Call of Duty. I, I wasn't old enough. Yeah, I grew up, that's yeah. true. That's I was true. playing maybe like Tony Hawk. We're, play, we're playing like Wii Sports. Ska- Wii, Wii Sports. Yeah, yeah. We we're playing. We we're playing those games. Whatever was E rated. Yeah, yeah. Or T for teen yeah. if you're of age. But when um, we when we were kids, we went to school, we came back, we did homework, we went to practice, we came back and we went to bed. Yeah. These kids in Japan are waking up, playing baseball, going to school, thinking about baseball, coming back from school, training for baseball, practicing more baseball talking baseball with the family and coaches and then going to bed and they wake up and they recycle that routine like five six days a week and you wonder why japan isn't in the championship the playoffs every single season every single season in the league and not only that but japan's baseball league is just breeds 
like top of the line. Seattle, Seattle's the farm system. Seattle's an extended farm system for, it is. <laughs> for it Japan's is. top prospects. It is. It is. And you got great players that are coming overseas. And yeah. I think that baseball is slowly but surely becoming more and more of an international sport. Yeah. Especially with this last baseball World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. You saw teams where you're like, where? I didn't yeah. know that they had baseball like in Israel. Israel was making noise. I didn't realize that they had... Against... Yeah, against these teams. Like Well-established countries. Exactly. That have perf- consistently performed well in the especially, classic. Especially like your, your the Latin American um, juggernauts like yep. Venezuela, yep. Colombia, Dominican Republic, and... Um, in Puerto Rico, those yeah. those four con- four or five countries that are just well established, stacked up and down the rosters. Right. I think it's just amazing to see more and more international guys come over because it just brings such a different feel to the game. Absolutely, it heightens the play. And you look at these guys who are coming over; they bring such a flair, and they bring and it's beautiful because their culture. I was talking about this with another one of my friends, um, Joey, who talked mm-hmm. about soccer and how soccer is another one of those sports yeah. where the culture literally bleeds into the way you play. Yeah. And I think that is so heavy when it comes to baseball. Yep. Like you saw in the, if you didn't see, if you're listening to this, but in the World Baseball Classic, Team Puerto Rico, they all bleached their hair. Every single one of the guys bleached their hair. They were like ramen heads for like <laughs> a couple of months. Yeah. Like these guys. Yeah. Would go to. They would literally lay down their lives for each other. These guys were brothers. Yeah. So now I'm gonna segue to a little more on a. That's a macro scale. We're talking big leaguers. We're talking international players. But now mm-hmm. kind of taking it back to a little smaller scale mm-hmm. with your experience in baseball and talk about the different. Talk about like that brotherhood, if you could. Yeah. Just the team because you talked about the memories you built. Yeah. And what, what. What is it about you and your teammates that made you all so close? Yeah. I think I think it's common with all sports. Right. But baseball has I think a different energy. Okay. When it comes to, when it comes to brotherhood. And I, and you know, I come I'm pretty biased cuz I've had, you know, the the blessing to be able to play baseball year in year out from the age of 10, 10 years old till I was through high school. 10 to 18, basically. To so eight, eight years. 18. Eight right. solid years of of multiple seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. From January to January, yeah. I was thinking about baseball and playing baseball. Yeah. So, you know, incredibly lucky. And I've had the opportunity to play with, you know, hundreds of guys and tons of different teams. And I think what separated the good teams from the great teams was the ability to stick through really shitty weekends and really fun weekends. Yeah. Um, travel ball, like club, club baseball at a young age is, is pretty, pretty grueling in terms of the weekends. Weekend tournaments are extremely long. You know, you can be playing up for anywhere from uh, three to six games in a weekend, you know, starting at eight o'clock in the morning and ending at eight o'clock at night. Especially it for, for the, for those of you who, aren't familiar with the club baseball system, the way that the tournaments work. You usually play two games to figure out where you're seated yep. for the Sunday games on the Saturday. So you can say you get lucky and you get the the late morning and the early afternoon games. So you say you get 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock mm-hmm. for your game starts. Yep. If you lose both of those games, you're starting at 8 a.m. the next morning. Yep. You are the first team. It's dreary. 
No one's at the facility. It's, it's freezing cold in the winter. It's freezing cold, especially if you're playing winter. If yep. you're playing winter, it's probably 35 degrees out, 30-something yep. degrees. There's frost on the mound. Yep. You can't feel your hands during warm-ups, but you know in order to get – and you know the championship game's at 5 o'clock, yep. 5 p.m., so you're in for – you're in for a long day. Oh, absolutely. So, I don't want to steal your thunder, but no, no. that speaks to it right there. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And I think the, the, the Saturdays are probably the, mo- the most defining. If you went 0-2 on Saturday with a shitty team, you came Sunday morning knowing that you're going to play one game at 8 a.m. and then go back to bed. Yeah, you're going to be able. To, you're going to. You're going to make it to ten. You're going to make it to 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 noon church. Yeah, church at noon. Exactly. You're going to make. I it mean to breakfast at Denny's right after the game. Exactly. You know, the great teams though came to Sunday with a different kind of intensity. Even if they were playing at 8 a.m. Even if we were playing at 8 a.m., we came to the field ready, excited to play, and excited to prove everybody wrong. You know. Right. It's as much a sacrifice for us getting there at 8 a.m. as it is for the families, the parents, mom and dad who are willing to wake up at 6 a.m. and, and right. drive us to the field. And we don't want to disappoint, you know. The right. B teams don't want to disappoint mom and dad who had to sacrifice their entire weekend to come watch watch us either play in the freezing cold or, yeah, as you know, in the summer it gets blistering hot. You right. know, we get the two extremes up in NorCal. For real, we do, but especially during the summer. I don't think that gets talked about enough, by the way. I think I think California gets a bad rap. Especially NorCal. Oh yeah. About the four seasons. Oh, hundred percent. SoCal is different. SoCal it's it's pretty nice all year round. But NorCal, like, I mean, we're scraping frost off the wind off the the windshield, you know, from from December till maybe March. Yeah. And like obviously that's not quite the same as like, you know, the East Coast where they yeah, actually we're have not, seasons. I mean we're but, not getting snow. But, but we do it is it is like a you do feel you feel the cold. You feel the hot. Oh, one hundred percent. Especially when you're playing winter ball and you're yeah. pl- and you're trying to build your craft. You're trying to beat your craft so you're polished for spring. And yeah. in the summer, you're trying to ride the momentum from spring into summer, but it's blistering hot. Yep. And you're fatigued very easily. Oh, one hundred percent. Your stamina runs on almost twice as fast yep. in the summer. Yep. And you know, summer's twice as long of a season, so you're playing more games, more at bats, more innings, all of it. Yeah. So those are a grind. I loved my summers. Those I think oh, yeah. as I loved the spring, obviously, because it was a great time. I mean, you had a lot. It was very organized, very rigid. Yep. But when you came to the summer, there was so much, so much baseball. Yeah. And I loved all it. All year round. Oh or all, all summer long. All rather. summer long. Yeah, yeah. And even then, all year round, you come into fall and, like, you're just, you do light workouts, very light, just, yep. just getting your body ready. You felt like a big leaguer. It's just yeah. on a different schedule, obviously. Right, right. But, yeah, man, I think that, <sighs> baseball beautiful yeah i think it's it's sad to see i think that the where it's headed and where it's been going the past couple of seasons but i think i think baseball is doing a good job though i think baseball is doing as best as the best a job it can <laughs> to yeah. try to like diversify its fan base yep um but the harsh reality is that the reason why we, you and I are so heavily invested in baseball, it's because we played. Right. We played. Right. I can watch I can sit at home with my with my buddies. My roommates are all huge. They played baseball as well. Mm-hmm. Sit at home with my roommates, put on a baseball game, watch for an hour. Yep. Two hours, whatever. Not get bored. Yeah. I mean, we're a yeah. crack a beer. 
watch the game, watch whatever. It doesn't even ha- always have to be our teams. Yeah. We could literally just watch just baseball. Watch what's, what's going on? And because you know, like you can li- quickly pick up analytics and you can pick up all everything that's going on. You're like, wow, this is really yeah. actually fun to watch. Yep. Where that just doesn't happen with any with the average person, which is no. it's unfortunate. Because, uh, but I but I understand. I understand fully why people might not love it nearly as much as we do. But yeah. I do. You, but I, but it's nice because yeah. the last couple of World Series have been really, really, really interesting. Absolutely. Like between the Cubs in 2016 to the Astros in 17 and the Red Sox in 18. Mm-hmm. All great World Series. Oh, 100%. So, and 100%. even sweeter in the last year because the Dodgers lost. Oh, I'll come out and say that. <laughs> two years in a row. Two years in a row. Two years in a row. Come off an exciting pennant series win. Yeah. Just to fudge it up in the playoffs. Yep. They're, they are they are the tw- they are the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers I think are a sadder story because they they were one strike away in 2011 and That's true. And now they're nowhere. And now they're nowhere. Yeah. But before, I would love to talk about playoff baseball, but I think it's important. You know how you can tell the difference between a real, like an actual baseball fan, a dedicated baseball fan, and an average baseball fan? Yeah. When you go to the park, an average baseball fan will want to grab a beer and go socialize on the patio deck on the club level. Right. An actual baseball fan will want to go sit in the outfield seats or anywhere, anywhere in the park and will want to watch the game from start to finish. Right. I think, I think baseball stadiums are great because they in- include both, both personalities. But we don't get that on TV, right? With with basketball, that's so true. With basketball, if you go to a basketball game, you're not there to like go talk to Joe Schmo, you know, at the club level. Yeah, talk about whatever at the at the bar. You're there to go see Steph Curry drop forty eight. In game yeah. one, go eight for twelve from three. Yeah, right. You're, you're there. You're there because I feel. I also feel like it's a pace. It's pace of game. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball is a slower game. Yeah, it's a long. It's a long commitment. Tons you're, of downtime. You're there for. I mean, it's gotten faster. Yep. But you're still there for two two and a half hours. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's gone faster, but not much faster. Not much faster. Yeah. But like for basketball, it's fast paced. One hundred percent. And the breaks, are. Pern- like pronounced. Like, yep. All right, yeah. Timeout. Yep. Long timeout. TV timeout. In between quarters, halftime. Yep. There is significant downtime for you to go to the bar, go to get, go to get food, go yeah. to get snacks, get whatever. Socialize, come back and watch the game. And they're they're doing stuff on the court in between timeouts. In between, they're bringing random fans out to like exactly. go shoot a three pointer, or the mascot will come in like jump on the trampoline and shit. You don't see that. Yeah, you don't you see don't, that in baseball. You don't see. Well, actually, the Braves are doing. The, they're doing. They're doing the freeze. <laughs> you look at you look at the jumbotron. Yeah, the Braves have done a fantastic job with with the freeze. They have. That has become, I think, like a national highlight. Actually, now. so if you haven't heard of the freeze. As you're scrolling through the depths of YouTube tonight, look up the freeze or the Atlanta Braves, the freeze, and just enjoy because yeah. they, they pick a random fan and yeah. they you have to run the outfield, um, the outfield warning track, which is a pretty long distance actually. Yeah. It's yeah. probably like just about like 200 meters, like yeah. all the way all the way around. Right, and they give. The, the fan like on like a fifty like a twenty five meter head start. It's significant. It's a lot. It's and it's then a lot. the freeze, who's actually a former track athlete, just 
gets out and running. He's dressed in like you. He looks like a. He looks like Frozone. He's got like the the teal the teal yeah. outfit going, and he just beats most fans. That man is hauling across the warning track. He's hauling. If you don't get a chance to watch the video, I just want you to imagine like, like Usain Bolt running across the warning track. Yeah, whatever you're field. thinking, he's faster. He's faster. <laughs> I'd love to see. I'd love to see a race between the freeze and someone like Billy Hamilton. Oh yeah, or what, some of the top top speed guys in the league. Just to s- just to see what would happen. I think it'd be close. I think it'd be close too. I think it'd be fun to watch. Yeah. I think that's something we should probably like message the Braves on the yeah, Instagram. Yeah, can we account. can like, we request that? Yeah, mm-hmm. like just be like, hey, put like um because the Braves have um a couple quick guys like hey, yeah. put Ender and Ciarte yeah. and the freeze against each other and yeah. see who wins just the see, race. See what happens. Just see what happens. Yeah, yeah you never know. It couldn't hurt. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, man. But is there anything else you want to cover right now? Is there anything else you want to talk about? We could talk. We could, we have time. We could talk about stuff, or we could we could call it here. I mean, is there is there another topic that we? Uh, no, man. This is the whole thing. The the beauty of this whole thing is that we just are just yeah talking. Yeah. If is there is there anything else you want to know or? Mm. All right, I think I figured it out. Here's my question, and it's a good way to end it. Mm. So you've obviously had a lot of players you look up to. And obviously, you look up to them for their play. But above all else, when you see players that are really good and you like them, what your favorite players of all time, why, what about them do you, why would you like them? It's, it's, it's obviously there are players, there are a lot of great players out there. Yep. And a lot of them that are a high level. Yep. You only choose certain players. Why do you choose your players? Could you name like three players that you really like? Not maybe not Nick Markakis, maybe not Brandon Crawford or mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Carpenter. Yep. But three or two or three players that you really like, and why do you like them? That's a that's a super good question. Might have to think about that one. Yeah, yeah, and 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 just remember that that as fans, there's a lot of good players, but we like players for certain reasons. Yeah, Absolutely. and they can be out, and they can be all over the place. Absolutely. Like for me. I love my two most favorite players in Major League Baseball right now, outside of Buster Posey, for the Giants, are Mookie Betts and Trevor Bauer. <laughs> and the reason why is because they're so... They're just regular dudes. Yeah. They're regular dudes. Yep. Like, it's it's so awesome because in sports, you have these athletes who are glorified. Mm. They're seen as superhuman. And for the most part, they are. Yep. In their ability, but these guys are regular dudes, Absolutely. and that's awesome because it's it's relatable. Yeah, and that's why I like them. Yeah, but for you, why do you like whoever the two players are, one player or three players, whoever, yeah. however many you want to pick right now? Well, I guess as I'm thinking, I can I can talk about why what what the the biggest characteristic is as to why I'm drawn towards certain players. Okay, and I think that is the attitude. Um, baseball is, in my opinion, the most humbling sport in all major sports that exist out there. So, so we're so we're talking at a very in, ter- in terms of the American major sports. It's baseball, basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. And hockey, sure. Golf, I guess. Yeah, and I suppose. Yeah, we tennis, tennis. Yeah, we yeah, could, we could get whatever. into it, but but like yeah, yeah, in general. I don't think there's another sport where you fail so much. And are considered an elite athlete. 
if you shot 30% from the field as an NBA player, you'd be in the G League in two and a half weeks. Yep. If your pass rate uh, or completion percentage, I don't know what the statistic is, was 30% in football, you'd be you wouldn't have playing in the AF, AFL or A- AAF. AAF, the <laughs> XFL, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. You'd be playing with Johnny Manzo. That's where you'd be. You'd be playing, you'd be playing men's rec Sunday you'd league. You'd be playing Sunday league, <laughs> flag football on Thanksgiving and Super Bowl Sunday. That's what you'd be doing. <laughs> in baseball, if you get if you get a hit 30% of the time, you are enshrined in Cooperstown with a bronze plaque. In the Hall of Fame. And in, in the Hall of Fame with a Q biography. Which, by the way, the, ba- the Baseball Hall of Fame is not an easy thing to get into. Oh, it's not at all. The, NF- the NFL, I think, is number is the most difficult. In, in I think I think it is because based off based off volume of players yep. and yeah, football, then baseball, then everything else, and then basketball at the very the very bottom. If you if you had a breathing heart, and you had an NBA career for ten years, I think you'd get in the NBA Hall of Fame. I feel like they induct everybody. Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> Did you see the Did you see the Hall of Fame ballot for this yeah. year? Yeah. All right, well, that's a that's a that's another can of worms I'm gonna not <laughs> yeah. open right now. We can open that another yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball though, there have been a lot of greats that that kind of don't make it actually. Yeah. And that's another can of worms. That's another can of worms I, that, we're, that we're not. Gonna I could talk about why Barry Bonds used to be in the Hall. Okay, of okay, okay, Chris. I'm, I'm, I don't want to cut this. Yeah, I don't want to have yeah. to spend time cutting that yeah, one out. Yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna hold that one off. Okay, sounds I good. I might I might make my own. Audio segment. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit that one myself because <laughs> I might, I might get, go off on some tangents here. But, oh yeah, but going back to whatever <laughs> the, the main point here. Main point: attitude. Base, yeah, baseball forces you to have an extremely strong mental capacity, and I think we're seeing that a lot with Chris Davis in the past. What was it? Sixty at bats. Yeah. Fifty six. He was zero for fifty one or zero for something ridiculous. Yeah. To get, to give some background, I think it's important. Chris Davis signed uh, one of the biggest contracts in Major League history. One of the is one of the, the the highest paid MLB athletes in the game right now, and went zero for fifty something to start the season. That's atrocious. Zero for so that that's about three weeks of hitless baseball. And it's and it's funny because. People say, "Oh, baseball is baseball is why it's so easy to hit a ball." Baseball is so easy, dude. I play. I hit four home runs in wiffle ball over the weekend, dude. Yeah, it's easy. It's not. Chris Davis gets to the park every single day at the same time and prepares the exact same way that he did when he led the majors, the majors and homers for two seasons, and when he was an all star back in twenty fifteen or something. Yeah, I don't remember. Way back in the day, right? He's got the same approach. Same bat, I'm assuming. Same general swing. Same general swing. Same team. Different manager, but that doesn't matter. And he's approaching the same game the way he did when he was an all star. And yet he's 0 for 56. A lot of us normal guys, after the 30, 35th plate appearance, might just call it quits. And I think I would. I don't think I'm built for. Oh yeah, no I don't way. think I'm built for that kind of. Oh no way. That I kind would, of slump. I would be. I would definitely be like, when you go that long without getting a hit, I mean, striking out. I remember. I remember when I was when I went. I think there was one summer that I had when I struggled from the, at the plate. Like there yeah. was a stretch where I went like in twelve at bats. I was like one for twelve, yep. and I struck out like in seven of those at in seven of those eleven at bats. Yeah, We've and I was like. Those. 
I was like so just distraught. But to multiply that by five. You question if, if you're even playing the right sport. <laughs> exactly. I think at that point. 100%. I've had I've had plenty of weekends like that where I've left a weekend like, man. Maybe baseball isn't for If me. I was four inches taller, I'd be on the cover of House of Highlights. Or yeah. On playing basketball. Some slam online magazine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the case. People like Chris Davis, who come to this to the ballpark every single day with the same attitude, regardless if they went four for four or they went oh for four ready to approach the game the same exact way every single day are the people that catch my eye. Chris Davis is like that. Buster Posey is like that, who, by the way, has not started off the season too hot, but is still, you know, a, a top 10 defensive catcher in Major League. He's, a to- he's actually the, he was actually rated by MLB as the best, the best overall catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Ahead of Yadier Molina, by the way. Yeah. which who, of- who, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. People like Chris Davis, people like Buster Posey, people like Mike Trout. Mike Trout's an anomaly because he's been good since he broke into the league. But basically came out of the womb hitting dingers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. People who had a strong attitude, regardless of yesterday's performance, are set to make a lasting impact on Major League Baseball, their teammates, and the people who watch them, especially me. Right. I absolutely love it. Tony Gwynn was one of those guys, I think. I wish I had the pleasure of watching him when he was, when he you was know, playing, when, when yeah. he was playing, yeah. right? Um, pe- people who have, you know, a strong, strong attitude. I've, I've been told the only two things you can control in life are your attitude and your effort. Right. Everything else is out of your control. Right. If you've got a positive attitude and you're willing to go max effort and work hard towards this, whatever it is you're doing, the rest is out of your control. Right. There's only so much we can do. And I think Chris Davis and Buster Posey exemplify those two characteristics. What a beautiful way to end our little <laughs> thing, dude. That was a beautiful way to end the discussion. That's <laughs> awesome sentiment. Yeah. Um, with that, I want to say thank you so much for taking oh. the time out of your day. Yeah, to thanks for having me. Dude, thank you. Thank you so much for, ha- for coming on. Pleasure. Um, and yeah, so that's going to bring us to another end to what has been a journey, a project in the making. Until next time, I'm your host, Matt Leong, with my guest. Chris Musa. And uh, again, thank you, Chris, and we'll see you next time, everyone.